My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you are having a fantastic January so far. And uh, here in the beginning, I wanted to give a little shout out to my good friend Elijah Merle and uh, Greater Than Podcast, Merle Ministries International. He has been on the podcast several times. Uh, He'll probably be back on soon, I'm sure. Uh, Love having him on, love the gift that he is. But he's having uh, his Spirit Wind Conference in Hollister, Missouri, starting on January 16th, and I believe it's going through January 19th. Um, and so he does the Spirit Wind conferences throughout the country. I mean, last year, uh, we had it in, in Hollister last year. Um, I believe we went to Atlanta. I was at that one. He did one in Virginia. He did one in California. I mean, he's just going all over the place, and he's seeing awesome fruit from that. And I just wanted to give him a little shout-out um, man, I kind of said that like like a rapper there for a second. Yeah, I just said that kind of fast, you know. Um, <laughs> it just rolled off the tongue. Um, and of course, one of the reasons why I wanted to mention it is that I this is the first conference I will be speaking at as well. Um, and I'm excited for that. I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do with that. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So if you're in the Hollister, Missouri area, the Branson, Missouri area, uh, hey, uh, we're going to be there, I believe, every night of that week, January 16th through the 19th. Um, and you're welcome to join us at Tanny Love Church in Holliston, Missouri. We'd love to have you. Or if you know somebody else that's in this area that you think would uh, be ministered to by coming to that, uh, let them know about it. But just wanted to give a little shout out to that. And uh, anyway, uh, today the title of the podcast, as you can see, is When Balloons Fly Away. <laughs> and I'm going to pray and we're going to get right into this. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word. Lord, I believe the word that you've put on my heart today is a word that is meant to minister comfort and to bring encouragement. And Lord, I just thank you for a spirit of encouragement and a spirit of comfort, Father, like a warm blanket that just wraps people up. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of all comfort. And I thank you for a heavenly perspective today that helps us to see things the way that you see them, Father, and that lifts up our head and lifts up our eyes to see like you see. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Let me start reading here in John chapter 16. I touched on this in last week's podcast entitled, For Pity's Sake. And uh, I'm going to go back over this and read it again. Jesus is talking to his disciples about his departure and about his death and his resurrection. But I believe there's more than just his death and resurrection because he's also preparing them for him leaving the earth. Um, Yes, he was killed and resurrected and he was with them for another season and then he was gone. (laughs) And this time it was uh, the last time they would see him this side of heaven for themselves. And he's encouraging them about that. He's comforting them about that. 
and he's talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And he's talking to them about, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. And that's one of the reasons why I know he's not just referring to his death and resurrection, because he wouldn't be talking to them about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit didn't come till Acts chapter 1. So, yes, he's preparing them for his death and resurrection, but he's also preparing them for his ultimate departure until his second coming. Uh, and so we'll see that in a little bit here. But he said to some of his disciples, uh, they said among themselves, What is this that he has said unto us? A little while, and you'll see me. And again, a little while, and you will not see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, What is this that he says? A little while. We cannot tell what he says. Now, I want to emphasize that to you. They cannot tell what he's saying. They're struggling to understand what he has to say to them. They're, they're not grasping it. <laughs> and that's going to be significant for where we're going today. Because Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and he said unto them, Do you inquire among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you'll not see me, and again a little while, and you'll see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow, because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. And you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man takes away from you. I'm going to read that again. You have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no man takes away from you. And in that day you'll ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say to you, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. From hitherto, excuse me, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So he's telling them how to get joy. <laughs> and he's saying, if you'll ask, you'll receive that your joy may be full. Now, what are they going to ask for? Well, he said, ask anything in my name. But something I want to emphasize to you in this is what Jesus is doing right now. And let me go ahead and keep reading, and we'll see what it is that Jesus is attempting to do by what he's saying. He said, These things I have spoken unto you in Proverbs or in parables. But the time comes when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Somebody say, Show me plainly. <laughs> show me plainly. And at that day you shall ask in my name, and I say unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, I, I read that wrong. And at that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, but the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world again. Again I leave the world, and go to the Father. Now, what is Jesus saying in this? He said, there's a time coming when I'm going to start talking more plainly to you. I'm going to stop telling you things in parables, and I'm going to start just giving it to you straight. 
Well, why would you tell somebody things in parables? That's something that you do for little kids. If you want to help a little kid understand something, you say it in a way that they can grasp it. You 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 put it in Veggie Tales. You understand? And listen, I still like Veggie Tales. You know, maybe that says something about my maturity level. I don't know, but I still like Veggie Tales. And he did say you have to be a little child to enter into the kingdom. So that's my you know my my defense in that. But he said I'm going to start telling you things plainly. Why would God go from talking to you in parables to telling you things plainly? Because you grew up. Do you see that? You grew up some. You gained a more mature perspective. See, this is a lot of where we're going to go in this podcast, talking about a change of perspective. He, he said, I'm going to start talking to you like grown-ups because your perspective has changed. I'm not going to keep telling you things in parables, is what he's saying. So when he talks about your joy being full because you asked the father of something, well, among other things, one of the things that would cause your joy to be full is asking God for a higher perspective. Watch this in Proverbs 20, verse 12. It says this in the NLT version, ears to ear, hear, excuse me. (coughs) All right, let's pause. Now let's look at this in Proverbs 20, verse 12. In the NLT, he said, ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. So when he's talking about you'll ask the Father and your joy will be full, well, one of the things that you would ask of the Father that would cause your joy to be full are eyes to see and ears to hear. In other words, a higher perspective. And having a different perspective can affect your joy level. <laughs> Do you see that? That's the direction I want to go today. Let me show you something here in another part of the Gospels in Matthew 13, verse 10. The disciples came and said unto him, Why do you speak unto them in parables? So we're talking about the same thing, talking to people in Proverbs and in parables. And he said, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So he's talking about a gift that is being given to them that's not given to these other people. So again, ears to hear and eyes to see are gifts from the Lord. And he said, For whoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that which he has. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. What's he talking about here? They have a wrong perspective. They have an immature perspective. They're seeing it, but they're not seeing it. Now, (laughs) how many of you heard things, maybe you watched something on TV, and you heard it, and you saw it, but because of your immaturity, you didn't know what it meant? But then, maybe about 10 or 15 years later, you went back and watched it, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's, uh, okay, I, now, now I know what they were talking about, you know? And in some cases, that's not a good thing, you know? Maybe it was something, a mature topic that you didn't, you know, grasp it at the time, but then you, you re-listen to it, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, I see why my mom didn't want me watching that, you know? Uh, your perspective changed, and you saw something you didn't see before, you heard something you didn't hear before. Do you see that? And he said, they are here, but they're not hearing. They see, but they don't see. (laughs) 
In other words, they've got the wrong perspective. Do you see that? And he said, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and by seeing you'll see and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. So they're not seeing something. Watch this part, though. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and watch this, and I should heal them. I want to I wanna emphasize that to you. He said, if they heard with their ears, if they saw with their eyes, I would heal them. Do you see how healing has to do with your perspective? And receiving healing from God in any area is connected to your perspective, how you see things. But look at what he said here in verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and blessed are your ears, for they hear. He is saying that the blessing on your perspective is causing you to see things the right way. The blessing on how you're hearing things is causing you to hear things the right way. And this is something we have to understand You know, you can hear a good, solid, biblically sound message, but if you've got the wrong hearing on, (laughs) if that makes sense, but if you've got the wrong filter in your ears or on your eyes, you won't hear it or see it. If you've got fear in your heart, then you can misinterpret something that's actually supposed to bring encouragement and comfort to you. Because it's like a filter that changes the way you see things. And Jesus said, take heed how you hear. So it's not just about what's being preached. It's also about how we hear and how we see what is being ministered to. Amen. And that's true of the Word of God as well. Listen, the Word of God is perfect. But if you try to read it with the wrong filter on your eyes, you won't see it. You won't hear it. And you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to help you to hear it. You've got to allow him to help you see what he wants you to see. Amen. You got to be careful about having a wrong filter on your eyes and on your ears. And he's talking about perspective and how the right perspective has to do with healing. Look at this in Romans 8 verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let me make this statement to you. A heavenly perspective brings supernatural peace. I'll say that again. A heavenly perspective brings supernatural peace. When you are heavenly minded, when you are spiritually minded, the the product of that is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is death. And the more limited you are in your perspective, the more carnal you are in your perspective, the more open you are to death. And the more effect death will have on you. Do you see that? But the more heavenly your perspective is, the less effect death will have on you because you are full of life and peace because you've got eyes to see and you've got ears to hear. Amen. Now, let me move on here to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
In verse 13, it said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. What is being ignorant? Being ignorant is having your eyes closed. (laughs) That's what Jesus was just talking about. He said, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep. He said, them which are asleep. I want to highlight that to you. We're going to come back to that. He said, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So what he's saying is that a change in your perspective is going to affect the way that you mourn. Now, he didn't say that you wouldn't have any sorrow and that you wouldn't mourn. Some people have turned it into that, but Jesus told his disciples, right now, you have sorrow. But it's not going to stay that way. Do you see that? He says, for if we believe, somebody say, if we believe, that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus. I want to emphasize that to you again. Them that sleep in Jesus. God will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are what? Asleep. Okay, so he said this three times. He's talking about those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. I want to emphasize that to you. We're going to see this come up several times. He said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, he said here, the dead in Christ. So when he's talking about those who are asleep, who's he talking about? Those who have died in Christ. Now, we know that when you die, your spirit goes to heaven. So he's not talking about your spirit being asleep. He's talking about your body being asleep. But we'll look at this perhaps later, but in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about how our bodies are going to be glorified, and the same body that we had on the earth is going to be glorified. So he's referring to our bodies being asleep. Amen. Now, our spirit isn't there. Our spirit's in heaven, and yet that body is going to be glorified, and we're going to be reunited with that body. Our spirit's going to be reunited with it, and it's going to be glorified. Now, that's a whole other message. But that's what he's talking about. But notice he said, comfort each other with these words. What's he talking about here? This is a heavenly perspective that is bringing comfort. This heavenly perspective is changing the way that people mourn over their loved ones who have gone home to be with the Lord. Their loved ones who have moved to heaven. This is a heavenly perspective that is bringing comfort. Do you see that? Now, let me keep going here. In John 11, verse 9, uh, Jesus had just heard about Lazarus being sick. And Jesus answered his disciples and said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walks in the day, he stumbles not, because he sees the light of this world. He said, You're walking and you're not stumbling because you're looking at something. You see something. You see light. (laughs) And what you're seeing is causing you to walk free from stumbling. Do you see that? 
You're free from stumbling because of what you're seeing. This has to do with your eyes, your vision, your perspective. And he said, if a man walks in the night, he stumbles because there's no light in him. That's being carnally minded. He said, these things said he, and after that he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Now again, he's referring to death as sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll do well. <laughs> Howbeit the Lord spoke of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. What's the problem here? They've got a wrong perspective. They've got a carnal, limited perspective. But Jesus is trying to change, trying to correct the way they see death. Do you see that? And Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So Jesus is about to change their perspective on death. And you know, here's the thing. When the glory is in manifestation, resurrection from the dead isn't any harder than waking somebody up from sleep. I'm going to say that again. When the glory is in manifestation, resurrection from the dead isn't any harder than waking somebody up from sleep. Now, in this instance, he's going to raise Lazarus up immediately. But this is true no matter what. This is why the Bible says that those who are dead in Christ are simply asleep. Now, we know their spirits are alive in heaven with God, and they're rejoicing in the presence of God, and yet their body's asleep. But why does the Bible keep referring to death in Christ as sleep? Because for God, it's no different. It's not any harder for God to raise people's dead bodies back to life than it is to wake somebody up out of a deep sleep. What this is, is changing our perspective on death. Do you see this? God is trying to change the way we see death. And this is why 1 Corinthians 15 says death has lost its sting. Why? Because it's not devastating for somebody to fall asleep. But those who have no hope, they sorrow because it's not sleep. It's the end. It's irrecoverable loss. And so God is trying to change our perspective. And that is bringing comfort. Do you see that? <laughs> Let's look at another example of this real quick. Luke 8, verse 49, it says, While he yet spoke, there came one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he allowed no man to go in except Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And it says this, And all wept and bewailed her. Watch this. But Jesus said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Now, now this is interesting to me. Here they are. They're all outside mourning and crying. And yet the moment that Jesus comes onto the scene... And, and says, uh, she's not dead, she's only sleeping, they immediately shifted into laughter and mockery. <laughs> so apparently, they weren't all that deeply grieved, they're just there to mourn. You know, you don't shift into laughery and laughery, laughery. <laughs> That's one way of saying it, laughery. 
um, laughter and mockery if you're dealing with deep hurt and deep grief. Why do I, why do I point that out? Because there's some people you got to be careful of that they'll come around in a hard time. They'll come around in a moment of tragedy and they don't really care that much. They're just looking for a reason to be sad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? They're just looking for an opportunity to be sad. They really don't have any investment in this thing. But since something has happened that seems to warrant sorrow, they're coming around because they want something to cry about and to be sad about and to be emotional about. Now, there's a difference between people who are normally joyful and full of life that have something really hard happen and they're struggling in their soul and they need encouragement and they need comfort. And, and they're normally a joyful person and they're endeavoring to be, but they're struggling. It's hard. It's hard in your soul when things happen, but that's not their heart. That's not their desire, but they need help. They need a boost. There's a difference between those kind of people and people who really everything's going relatively well for them, but they're just looking for something to be depressed about. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? You know, I grew up in the mid-2000s, and I was what they called an emo kid. You know, I went through the emo phase. You know, I had the skinny jeans. I had the hair. I had the bullet for my Valentine shirt. You understand? I had the whole nine yards. And, you know... A lot of times, my life really wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, if I had some perspective, you know, I had a decently good life. I had some things that happened, but it wasn't all that bad. But the truth was, a lot of times, I was just looking for something to be depressed about. And, you know, some people genuinely have things that they're dealing with in hard situations. But, you know, and I had some things that had happened, but in hindsight, with a little bit of perspective, I had a pretty decent life. If I had simply been more thankful for what I had, it would have dealt with a lot of the issues that I had. <laughs> and of course, I wasn't serving the Lord. But, you know, I would look for reasons to be depressed. And, you know, uh, Under Oath was there to help me. You understand? I'm not nothing against them, but, you know, let's just be honest. But... You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stereotypes about, you know, teenage kids in the mid 2000s with skinny jeans. But did you know that there's a lot of emo 50 year olds? Uh Oh, <laughs> you know, there's some emo pastors and they don't wear skinny jeans. You know, uh, people who are looking for a reason to be sad, looking for a reason to be negative. There are some emo people who don't listen to punk rock. <laughs> and yet they're. They're always sad. They're always looking for a reason to be sad. And you got to watch out because that will try to get on you if you're not careful. And those are not the kind of people you want around you when you're going through something hard. Those are not the kind of people you want surrounding you when you're in a tough situation. You want people who are going to show compassion and show pity on you and be there to comfort you, not to preach at you, not to lecture you, but people who will also look at you and say, it's going to be okay. The sun's going to shine tomorrow. The sun's going to come out tomorrow. God loves you, and the future is bright. And those are the kind of people you want with you. There's a reason why Jesus only let his disciples and the parents come in that room. You see that. And, and look at this. He said, he put them all out <laughs> and took her by the hand and called, saying, "Maid, arise, and her spirit came again. Do you see that her spirit had departed her body, but when he spoke to her, he woke her out of her sleep and her spirit returned. 
Why is that significant? Because 1 Corinthians 15 talks about when everybody who is asleep in Christ, their bodies are dead on the earth, their bodies are asleep, their spirit has gone. And we see this with this little girl. Her spirit had left, but her spirit came back. People who talk about uh, having experiences where they, they died and went to heaven or started to go to heaven, their spirit left their body, but then the Lord said, it's not time for you to come yet, and their body, uh, their spirit came back into their body. You see, there was a separation, and then they came back. Well, that's what it means when God talks about waking up those who sleep in Christ. It's the reuniting of their spirit and their body. And, and the, the most wonderful no- news, noise, the most wonderful news, excuse me, is that that body's going to be glorified. You're not going to have your old aches and pains. Your body's going to be glorified. And that's the wonderful, wonderful news about it. But for God, it's no different than waking somebody out of a deep sleep. And this is going to happen to everybody who is dead in Christ, everybody who has fallen asleep in Christ. And this is a perspective that brings peace, that brings comfort, that brings healing. Do you see that? Amen. Now, the reason why I I, I said all that (laughs) to get to the meaning behind the title of this podcast, which is When Balloons Fly Away. What do you do when balloons fly away? I wrote a song a few years ago, and, you know, I haven't done much with it because I'm not that much of a singer, And but I like to write songs, though, and I feel like the Lord has helped me to write some songs. And I wrote a song called Balloons, and it was after I'd kind of gone through something that was kind of heartbreaking. It wasn't really that big of a deal, but it, at the time it felt like a lot. And I wrote this song called Balloons, and the chorus of this song simply goes like this. I want to put on your glasses. I want to open up your vault. And when something unfortunate happens, I don't want to think it's your fault. I want to see your unsearchable riches and stop crying over broken toys. I want to stop looking for my destiny in the ditches and stop letting balloons fly away with my joy. And the inspiration of that was letting things in this life steal our joy away from us. What did Jesus talk about? Your joy no man takes away from you. And, you know, for a lot of people, you know, we have things in life that can try to steal our joy. And a lot of times they're seemingly trivial things. And the reason why something would steal your joy is because you had a wrong perspective. And and the, the example is of a little child who's got a balloon. They went to the circus, they got their balloon, they're excited, but then They weren't paying attention. They let it slip out of their hands. And what happened to that balloon? It went ascending and floating into the heavens. And it's gone. And what does that little child do? (laughs) Why? Because they just lost their balloon. They lost their balloon. But a parent will immediately comfort their child and say, Oh, baby, it's going to be all right. I'm sorry that you lost your balloon. But at the same time, the parent isn't upset because they know that it's not a big deal. They know that it's not a big deal because they didn't just make one balloon. You understand? There's more balloons out there. (laughs) We can go get another one. It'll be all right. But at the moment to that little child with their little perspective, it, it seems like an awful thing. It seems like a tragedy. And the truth is with God, the things that tend to upset us the most, whether it's going through a breakup 
or our fish dying <laughs> or something like that. I don't mean to laugh at that, you know, but they can try to, you know, make us feel sad. And, and to an extent, that's understandable because any kind of loss or death, we know instinctively this is not right. We're not created for death. And we know that death is an enemy. And that's why we feel that way. But what we need is some perspective. And that's why when you grow up a little bit, you don't get upset about a balloon flying away. And growing up helps you to see things differently. And this is what God is trying to do. He's trying to change our perspective. Now listen, God cares about what we care about. And, you know, it's never a good thing to lose a car. Uh, I mean, you know, that's the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's never a good thing to lose an animal that you love, whether it's a fish, whether it's a cat, whether it's a dog. I mean, it's something you cared about. It's something you cared for. And God, you know, cares about what we care about. And he's not insensitive to that. And we'll see an example of that here in a second. But the thing that will help you not to be overwhelmed with sorrow is knowing that, you know, you can get another one, <laughs> you know, you can get another car, you can get another fish, you know, it's going to be all right. Let's look at an example of that. In uh, the book of Jonah, we see a good example of this. In Jonah 4, verse 5, it says, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd, which is a plant, and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head. Watch this, to deliver him from his grief. So this is something, it's a plant. You understand, it's something that is not super significant. And yet in the moment is bringing comfort. Uh, it's helping Jonah be comforted from his grief. You understand? So Jonah was exceedingly glad over the gourd. But watch this. God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Are you right to be angry because of the gourd? And Jonah said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, you had pity on the gourd for which you have not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. In other words, he's saying this is something temporary. It doesn't have any eternal value. And he said, should I not spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left and also much cattle? What is God talking about? God is trying to change Jonah's perspective. Do you see that? God is trying to help Jonah see what really matters, what's most valuable. He's saying you had pity on a plant, and yet you don't have pity on all these people. What's God saying here? You know, we have measures of remorse and sorrow over small things in our life that perish, that die, that we lose. But that's how God feels about every person who's lost. Do you see that? God feels that way over every person whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he wants to change our perspective. 
Because so many times we get so sad over trivial things and that we don't understand God's heart that God doesn't want anybody to perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of salvation. Now, let me just say this right here. God is not responsible for anybody being lost. You know why? Because of what Jesus did, nobody has to be lost. There is no human being on the earth that has to be lost. He has made provision. He's done everything he can do for them to be saved, but we still have a part to play in this. And the body of Christ still has a part to play. And, you know, we can't control everybody getting saved or not getting saved, but we can do what God did, which is do everything we can do to give them the opportunity to be saved. Do you see that? And God is changing Jonah's perspective. He's giving him a more eternal perspective. Do you see that? Now, there, there are those who are not on their way to heaven. And we have an assignment on this earth to help bring as many as we can to him. And God is not upset with us for feeling sorrow over little things, but he wants to use those little things to show us how he feels about lost souls. What do I mean by that? Let's say you had a dog that died, unfortunately. And I know that's an awful thought. But God, now now let me make something very clear. God did kill this plant in this scenario. That does not mean that God took out your dog. <laughs> that does not mean that God did this. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that's what the Bible's saying. Yeah, he killed this plant, but I'm not saying that God took out your dog to teach you something. Don't misunderstand me. Don't put words in my mouth. But let's say you had a dog that passed away that you loved. Well, God might come along and say, baby, I'm sorry that that happened. I know that makes you feel sad. I know that's a hard thing. And he'll comfort you in the midst of even something small. And yet he can take that as an opportunity to say, you know, as, as sad as you feel about this little dog that you had, think about how much I am grieved when my creation is lost. And you see how he'll use it to change your perspective to help you to see what's most important. Do you see what I'm saying to you today? And, and here's the thing. You know, I'm talking about balloons. I'm talking about, you know, animals. I'm talking about little things. But there are things that fly away from us, like balloons, and they are far more precious. And they are completely irreplaceable, naturally speaking. Um, loved ones that have moved to heaven. Those are irreplaceable. Those are precious relationships. And I'm not trying to make light of that and compare it to something trivial. But what I will say to you is this. We find comfort in the same place that we find comfort about the other things, a heavenly perspective. Do you see what I'm saying to you? A heavenly perspective is where we find comfort. Why? Because they are with Jesus and we will see them again. They're asleep in God and the dead in Christ are going to rise. But watch this. In the meantime, God wants us to have compassion on the ones who don't know him yet. Do you see what I'm saying to you in that? Um, you know, death is just about the best thing that can happen to a believer. <laughs> it's the truth. Now, I'm not saying God was the one who did it. No, he's not. The enemy tries to take us out so that we don't finish our race. And so we don't accomplish the great commission of bringing more people to Jesus. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What I'm saying to you is that somebody who dies in Christ, their problems are over. That's the point I'm making to you in that. But this is the other point I want to make to you. 
Death is the worst thing that can happen to an unbeliever. You see what I'm saying to you? It, it doesn't get any worse than that. There's nothing worse that can happen to an unbeliever than death. Why? Because that's the end. Now, if you've had somebody go home to be with the Lord, well, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Now, if you've had somebody in your life die and you don't know if they were saved, I know the question will come up, well, how do I find comfort in that? Well, first of all, you don't know because there have been a lot of deathbed salvations and God is so merciful. There are many people who have cried out to the Lord in their final breaths and God had mercy on them. So you don't know. But at the same time, there are some people who have been lost. And what do you do about that? How do you find comfort in that? Well, there's a reason why it grieves God. <laughs> and if it grieves Him, it's going to grieve us. And the biggest thing is the revelation of that, it has to motivate us to want to do everything we can to preach this gospel and keep anybody else from going there. But then on the other hand, you got to be careful about how much you meditate on things you can't change. And you don't want to get so wrapped up in things you can't change that you are handicapped from moving forward and fulfilling your assignment in God. And so it's important to know how important it is to God that people be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. And he wants us to fulfill our assignment of bringing more and more people into the kingdom of God. And that's the perspective that's going to help us. That's, that's a mature perspective and that's the perspective that God's trying to get get across to Jonah. Amen. Look at this in Luke 24 verse 1. It said, "Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus." And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. He said, Jesus is not here. He has changed locations. He has moved. He is risen. Well, the Lord gave me something recently. I was talking to somebody close to me that had dealt with something in this area, and we were driving past uh, Panera Bread, and they have recently changed locations to another side of town that's much better, and they have a drive through and all this stuff, but I have a lot of memories at the old Panera, and we were driving past the Panera, and I looked at that Panera Bread, and all the lights were off, and the parking lot was empty, and there was nobody there. All the signs were taken down. And it just came up in my spirit. And I said, you know, that Panera is not there anymore. I said, there's nobody there. <laughs> there's nobody there. But at the time, we were driving on our way to the new Panera Bread. And I said, you know, Panera is not gone, it's just changed locations. And we could go and pull into the parking lot of the old Panera Bread and feel sorrowful and sad about what used to be there. Or, watch this, we can move forward and go to the new Panera Bread. And I believe the Lord quickened that to me because that's what it's like for people who fall asleep in Jesus. 
they're not there anymore. Nobody's there. And so many people will live at the gravestone of the one that departed. But they're not there anymore. I like what Perry Hart referred to it as, it's their resurrection site, not their grave site. And we need to realize that they've just changed locations. And the best thing we can do is move forward and look to the hope that's in front of us. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, heaven is right down the road. (laughs) It's not far away. And in a very short amount of time, we're all going to be there. But in the meantime, the Bible says that God is patient, not willing that any should perish. We want to get as many people into the kingdom of God as we can. Why? Because those who have moved to heaven, we're going to see them again. But for those who don't know Jesus, it's going to be too late for them. We won't see them again if they're not saved. And so we want to have that perspective like God was given Jonah. We want to have compassion on these people, get as many of them into the kingdom of God as possible, run our race, finish our course, accomplish our assignment, preach the gospel, and get as many people into the kingdom of God as we can. Why? Because God wants them in eternity with him. He's not willing that any should perish. And this is a heavenly perspective that will help us. It's a heavenly perspective that will bring comfort. Now, last week I talked about pity, and I talked about how we have sorrow in this life. That's, that's a fact, and I'm not negating that, but I want to talk more about this today because this is another side of it that will help us to be comforted, to be at peace in these situations and in these things that we deal with in this life. Let me read this to you. I'm just about done. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus is talking, and it says that, well, Jesus will be talking in a second here, I should say. It says that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. Somebody say, taken up. And after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And he's talking to them about what's going to come, and what they should be focused on, and what they should not be focused on. And he says this, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. So what's he talking to them about? He's talking about being witnesses, because he wants people saved. Do you see that? That's his focus. That's the assignment. And it says, when he had spoken these things, watch this, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. What, what happened with Jesus? Jesus went up in the air like a balloon. <laughs> I didn't see that till today, but I'm not trying to be disrespectful or make light of this. But literally, the Bible says that Jesus went up into the air like a balloon floats away. That's what it was like. He ascended into the clouds. Have you ever released a balloon and seen it fly away into the clouds? Well, that's what happened with Jesus. Jesus flew away like a balloon. And he departed. But the Bible said he sent the Holy Spirit to take his place. Do you see that? Listen, I'm here to tell you. When you have had something precious in your life fly away, the Holy Spirit comes to take its place. Ooh, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. Anytime something precious in your life 
has flown away and departed. The comfort of the Holy Spirit descends. I feel the anointing right now, Father. I thank you for the comfort of the Holy Spirit coming into the homes and cars of the listeners right now. Thank you, Father, for the warmth of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, bringing comfort, bringing peace right now. When anything has left your life or departed from you that leaves an empty space, Psalms tells us he does not leave his people desolate. The Holy Spirit comes in its place and it brings comfort. It brings peace. And watch this. It brings, he brings a heavenly perspective. Oh, come on. And he empowers you to be a witness for God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And this is the funny part. (laughs) This makes me laugh. It said, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Now that, that's a funny question to me because I would have been like, well, flying Jesus. (laughs) But, But why are they asking this? Because they're trying to make a point to them. Look what they say next. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He said the same way Jesus went up, he's coming back and he's not coming alone. Are you listening? The dead in Christ are going to rise in him, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to meet him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now listen, I I talked last week about having pity and compassion and weeping with those who weep, but this week I felt impressed to go more in the vein of encouragement and strengthening and faith. And I know the Lord is doing something in people right now who are receiving this. He's bringing comfort. I'm telling you, if you can just yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, He is going to give you eyes to see and ears to hear, and it will bring healing, it'll bring comfort, it'll bring you peace. Amen. Glory to God. Don't let balloons fly away with your joy. Your joy no man takes away from you because you have God. God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you, and He is your comforter. Amen. Glory to God. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. I'm believing that you got something out of this today. I love you. God loves you. Thank you for clicking play today, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.